The following presentation is brought to you by the Realm Network. The Bob and Chez Show, presented by BubbleGenius.com. Hello, Bob here with this week's Bubble Genius Showcase Item of the Week. Halloween is just around the corner, so visit BubbleGenius.com and pick up their Bath-O-Lantern Pumpkin Shea Butter Soap. So good, you'll want to eat it. Their Jack-O-Lantern Soap is colored and scented with real pumpkin, with the added punch of clove essential oil to make it pumpkin pie Shea butter makes it extra luxurious. Only $6 at BubbleGenius.com. But if you use our promo code Bob and Chez, that's B-O-B-A-N-D-C-H-E-Z, you'll get 15% off your entire order only at BubbleGenius.com. And now let the cartoons begin. Recorded live in the USA and covering the whole wide world, this is the Bob and Chez Show, presented by BubbleGenius.com. Right on! With Bob Seska and Chez Pazienza. Hi, welcome to another edition of Between Two Ferns. I'm your your host, Zach Galifianakis, and my guest today is Hillary Clinton. What happens if you become pregnant? Are we going to be stuck with Tim Kaine for nine months? How does this work? I, I could send you some pamphlets that might help you understand. When he's elected president and Kid Rock becomes Secretary of State, are you going to move to Canada or one of the Arctics? I would stay in the United States. And what would you try to... Try to prevent him from destroying the United States. So you're going to lead the Civil War? No, I wouldn't, I wouldn't take up arms. I, I think that might be a little extreme. I'd love to meet the person who makes your pantsuits. Oh, really? Yeah, because for Halloween, I wanted to go as a librarian from outer space. I think that would be a good look on you. Have you thought about what you're going to be wearing at the debates? I think about, well, what should the first woman nominee of one of our two major parties wear to the debate. And I have no idea. So if you've got suggestions, I'm open to them. Do you wonder what your opponent might be wearing? I mean, well, I, I assume you'll wear, you know, that red power tie. Or maybe like a white power tie. That's even more appropriate. Chelsea, uh, your daughter, and Ivanka Trump, Trump's daughter, are friends. Uh, does Ivanka ever call Chelsea, you know, to talk about boys that might have crushes on her, like her dad? I don't think so. Well, this has been a lot of fun, Mrs. Clinton. We should stay in touch. What's the best way to reach you? Email? The best music on the best station. The Bob and Chez Show, presented by BubbleGenius.com. No! We had no business being out there! No business! <laughs> It is Thursday, September 22, 2016, and this is the Bob and Chez Show, presented by BubbleGenius.com. I am Bob Seska. That is, uh, wait, no, that's not Chez Pazienza sitting right over there. I, that looks like Ben Cohen sitting right over there. Hey, Ben. Hey, Bob. What's up, man? It's Ben from the Daily Banter. Well, yeah, there we go. Applause. Uh, yes, welcome to the show today, Ben. I know uh, Chez is, I, I've been saying Chez is on assignment. I think everyone knows where Chez is. Chez, Chez is in a, in a bar somewhere in Detroit right now. <laughs> slumped, over, slumped over a bunch of empty uh, Pabst Blue Ribbon cans. And, uh, <laughs> Apparently working, right? Yeah, that's, that's, a, that's work for Chez. That's exactly right. Yeah. <laughs> So, uh, so thank you again for uh, coming in and uh, sitting in on the show today as our oh, guest co-host. And my pleasure, Bob. We've got lots of uh, Trump topics to talk about, obviously. Lots of things about the election to discuss here today. 
And I'm still, you have to bear with me, I'm still tweaking all of our brand new space age equipment here at the show. I got a new mixing board, I got a new microphone, I got all kinds of new crap here. All right, um, oh my God, we're brought to you by BubbleGenius.com, I forgot to mention that. Thanks a lot, Ben, for distracting me. We're brought to you by BubbleGenius.com, it's the best soap in the world, also brought to you by the Bowen Law Group and attorney Charles J. Bowen. If you need a lawyer, better call Bo, or you can go to thebowenlawgroup.com slash Bob and Chez, or you can just click the link on the podcast page and get free legal advice. Yes. Okay. This, uh, you know, I hate to start out the show with something that's so completely and utterly serious, Ben, but I'm sure by now you've seen the video of uh, this guy, Terrence Crutcher, in uh, Tulsa, Oklahoma, <laughs> getting, I mean, this, this may be, maybe in the last year or two, this video of Terrence Crutcher in Tulsa, Oklahoma, maybe the uh, the most flagrant example of something systemically wrong within the police force within i mean police departments across the country someone is giving them bad information someone is telling these police officers some bad things to do and i don't know whether it's at the at the precinct level it's at at the department level where they're being instructed by supervisors and commanders and so forth to do these things or whether it's something that's occurring in the training but there is no excuse for this I, I, I can't see how they explain their way out of this one. I mean, it's fairly clear uh, how on earth he posed any sort of threat to them. Yeah, no, none, I mean, there was no threat at all. I mean, this was the man, his hands were up. 40-year-old Terrence Crutcher, his hands were up. He was standing at his car, and they just shot and killed him. I mean, they just filled him with bullets. This uh, officer, Betty Shelby has now been telling her side of the story, which is, it's still, it's absolutely no excuse. I mean, there's absolutely no excuse for this kind of uh, reaction. I, I don't know where they're getting the fact that a guy with his hands up is still a threat to them so as to require lethal force. And of course, this is something that's been going on for uh, decades and decades and decades, and we're only now seeing it because of the, the prevalence of uh, uh, camera phones and things like that. Where we're getting a, where dash cam video and things like that are showing us more and more examples of this occurring. I mean, the, the, the statistics show that, you know, that America is less violent than it was 25 years ago, much yeah. less violent. There, are mu- there is much less threat to police officers than there has ever been. Perhaps the, the sort of perception of, of danger has increased. I, I don't know. Um, perhaps with you know the with the sort of mass media um, and easy access to all sorts of you know movie Netflix and whatnot, there might be a perceived danger of crime. But the statistics show show the opposite. I mean, I think you've got to have you know I I know a lot of cops. Mm. I, I have known a lot of cops over the years. Um, I've actually trained with a lot of police officers. Um, and, um, you know, they're all good guys and, and good people. Um, I've trained with women cops too, and they're all re- really, really nice. It just seems, I don't know what happens. They put the bat, you know, you put the uniform on, put the badge on, then all of a sudden every, every black man is a threat. <laughs> right. Which is horrible. I mean, oh, wait a minute. You know what? 
I, let me say something about autoplay video on the ABC News website. I was wondering, what, what is that talk? I hear talking in my headphones, and it's not Ben, and it's, of course, the autoplay video on the web, on the ABC News website I have up here, because there's this brand new story that's out, what well, was out ye- uh, late yesterday, where, as I said before, the uh, the officer who, who shot Terrence Crutcher, uh, uh, Betty Shelby, says that, of course, the excuse is that the video started after he was making aggressive moves. So we don't see him being aggressive and that they were telling him he was walking back to his car with his hands up. And she claims that they were telling him to stop where he was and he kept going toward his car, but with his hands up. I mean, whatever. I mean, wasn't there a time when police officers would say, and and I think we've talked about this before on the show, Ben, but there was a time when police officers would just would shoot someone in the leg or something like that just to disable them if they were fleeing the scene. And that was the the standard operating procedure for uh, apprehending someone who was a flight risk, someone who was taking off. This guy, first of all, wasn't taking off, and they killed him. This police officer killed him in cold blood with his hands up. It is astonishing. And so it's it's no effing wonder why there are protests in North Carolina and elsewhere where p- people are just, they're pissed off because this is, good Lord, this is maybe one of the biggest examples of racial injustice that we've seen, certainly in our lifetimes, if not since uh, the end of the Jim Crow era. Yeah, I mean, it's what, what a um, black uh, black community, what are they supposed to do? This is what, what I think... Um, you see a lot of people condemning riots and protesting, and but what do they do when you're being gunned down in the street on on a weekly basis? You're, there's a just story after story after story of of unarmed, usually black men, yeah. being shot by the police for you know when there were clearly were alternatives. The whole lethal force thing, the whole you know shoot lethal force thing is is. That, that doesn't exist in, I mean, in the UK. I mean, I find that I struggle with this, obviously, because I'm, I'm from the UK, and that, it just doesn't happen. Are, are you really? Are you British? <laughs> I can tell. Like, this is... <laughs> yeah, it's, you know, via Orange County. <laughs> right. Well, you know, I mean, the, the other thing is, I'm sorry to interrupt you there, but, I mean, the fact of the matter is that um, bringing this back to, to Donald Trump and the stakes of the election it, Donald Trump, his crime solution, we're going to talk about this in a little bit, his solution for solving crime on day one, it, partly at least as he announced this week, national stop and frisk. What could possibly go wrong there? So what we're talking about is an expansion, not a contraction, not to figure out like wh- how, how are these cops going rogue so often and shooting unarmed people? How are they killing people who have already been apprehended and who are secured in the back of a, a, a police vehicle. How is this all going on? And then <laughs> this guy comes along, this Republican candidate, and his solution to all of this is, well, let's make everything worse by, you know, profiling and stopping and frisking people on the national level, because it hasn't been as much of a disaster as uh, <laughs> in, uh, in, in uh, New York City. We're just going to make this, we're going to bring this to the streets of Tulsa, Oklahoma, we're going to bring this to Kansas and, and Utah. Reason 10,300,056 why electing <laughs> Donald Trump would be 
it would be the end of you know it would be that's the right. end of civilization it would be the end of the US that's for sure <laughs> yeah it absolutely slow down I'm not entirely sure but but I mean it's just I mean what an idiot what an idiot yeah. what what century is he, is he living in I know. And, and in what way does does he think that this is going to make the situation better are you uh Ben are you familiar with the the pundit Glenn Reynolds his his pseudonym is insta pundit He's been, yeah, 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 sadly. Yeah, he's been around for, God, I remember hearing about Instapundent in 2004. So, I mean, he's been blogging for a, a long, long time. Mm. And Instapundent tweeted uh, last night that the police, police officers responding to the protesters in Charlotte, North Carolina, police officers just run over the protesters. Just mow them down. Let's, uh, you know, you've got police vehicles there. We might as well just, you know, kill some more unarmed people. Glenn Reynolds, a USA Today. Oh, my God. Glenn Reynolds is writing for USA Today. I didn't know that. Um, and University of Tennessee law. Oh, my God. He's a law professor, too, who goes by the name Instapun. It said on Thursday morning that he will not apologize for a tweet urging drivers to run over protesters in Charlotte, North Carolina. Of course, the protests, uh, as as you may know by now were in response to what happened in Tulsa, Oklahoma. And last night with these protests, they were going on, and I think uh, all the cable news networks were running this this footage last night live in the streets of, uh, of downtown Charlotte, where it was really getting harrowing there for a while. There were people who were injured. I think there was one piece, person who, were, who was killed during the protests. And, uh, and so this guy <laughs> instantly said, well, here, here's what we need to do. We need to kill some more people. Ren- right, and 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 of course, I, I doubt he'd be saying that if they were white, if they were majority white protesters. Yeah, oh, um, no. you know, it, it just the, the fact that he he can he can't be bothered to disguise his racism That's at right. all. <laughs> and I'm sure during the next uh, a post uh, sporting event uh, rally slash protest slash looting incident where a lot of white people are out there doing that. I don't think Glenn Reynolds will be talking about running them over. Advocating, yeah, mowing them down with, with their cars, no. Reynolds told radio host Hugh Hewitt, the whitest man in cable news, uh, <laughs> would, would probably not tweet the message if given another chance, but he was unapologetic. Uh, this is the message again, run them down. That's what he tweeted and was suspended uh, from Twitter and has now been reinstated. So good job, Twitter, cracking down right away and then reinstating almost immediately after that. Twitter, ladies and gentlemen, thank you. He said, uh, <laughs> I have to say, I don't apologize for the sentiment, he said. I think that this tactic of blocking people on the interstate and surrounding cars is itself violent. It is threatening. It is not a peaceful protest. It should not be permitted. And, you go, of course, as you're watching, you're going, I, I wish this protest was peaceful. But you also have to understand, I think anyone watching in with, with you know, a reasonable point of view about all of this crap, is that uh, there are a lot of people. Uh, who are just at the end of their rope. Like, what do we do about this? Nothing is happening. It's been going on for how many years now? And nothing is happening to resolve it. Absolutely nothing. And I mean, the, the thing is, the, the conservatives, who, the, the white conservatives who always complain about these protesters and, and violent protests. I mean, look, if the, if the you know, boot was on the other foot, if they were being... T- take what happens when... Um, a conservative feels that somebody is disrespecting America, yeah. right? Uh, you know, you smash them, you destroy them. I mean, Donald Trump with the... You hear these things about the Iranian soldiers where 
I think Iranian soldiers were making gestures at U.S. Oh, yeah. We should, we should blow them out of the water yeah, because should, they're making should, gestures. Should, yeah, we should murder them because they're, <laughs> because they're teasing Americans. Right. It's sure Trump um, said, gestures at our people. I mean, so, so if they were being treated like African-Americans are treated in, in this country, yeah. there'd be a totally different response. They'd be arming themselves to the teeth and talking about their freedom and their rights to self-determination. And their, it, when it's white self to the, uh, right to self-determination, when it's white pride, when it's Ameri- you know, nationalism, that's all good. Oh, yeah. But, but, but black people doing the same is not good. I mean, I- it's just to call it racist is, you know, it's an understatement, really. I mean, it's, it's, so, it's so blatantly um, racist and completely kind of unaware. Oh, yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, on, on the other side of the, the, the equation here is, of course, I mean, you take, uh, like, for example, these guys, these gun fetishists who show up in the parking lot outside TGI Fridays to protest their, uh, you know, or whatever restaurant or, or location, retail location it is, to protest their uh, ban on open carry firearms. And they all gather out there with their loaded uh, AR-15s. And well, maybe maybe the cops should just run over those people too. <laughs> I don't see Glenn Reynolds pushing for that sort of thing uh, at all. Because again, it's obviously here the the uh, double standard has to do has much to do with uh, white privilege. It's okay. It's okay for white gun nuts with loaded semi-automatic rifles in hand to stay there and do their thing, even though by the very uh, definition of what they are doing carrying loaded firearms loaded firearms that have been used in mass shootings seems like every other goddamn day and well that's a peaceful protest they're just yeah they're that's just, not a threat that's not a threat whereas people yeah. stopping traffic is a threat uh, madness it's absolutely i mean it is uh it's so so is there any wonder why there are african-americans coast to coast why there are just americans period coast to coast saying what the F is going on with the cops. And I still haven't heard an adequate explanation. I mean, just an explanation for what all of this is going on and beyond just the, the standard one, which is, oh, well, there are more phones, so we're seeing it more. But there is something that's happening systemically that is in either, either training or encouraging police officers to overreact to these situations. Even you look at the protests yesterday. Yeah, the, the protests turned violent in some cases. There were uh, storefronts uh, that were smashed and there was a little bit of looting going on. I mean, I, on MSNBC, I saw one storefront that was looted in downtown Charlotte. Uh, but yet they come out, these militarized cops come out with their riot gear and they're moving along. And I noticed as I was watching them move, they were moving in line of battle. I mean, they were marching as if it was like, you know, like a like a bunch of Civil War reenactors shoulder to shoulder. And when they got to the end of the street where there was no more uh, uh, buildings to uh, to serve as an anchor for their their flanks, they actually did military maneuvers maneuvers to refuse the flank to, to actually bend the line back so that they had their flanks covered. I mean, it was unbelievable to observe this kind of thing. And there were so few protesters at that point. By the time, I don't know, 1130 midnight Eastern time rolled around. There were so few protesters. I was astonished at the police presence knowing that there were maybe only a couple dozen people left and they were still uh, the, the cops are still throwing uh, flashbangs and things like that uh and there was smoke and tear gas and all of it and uh it was just completely an overreaction i mean talk about 
this is this is the problem. It's the overreacting. Sure. I mean, and you know that, that you know, the more heavy handed the policing is. I mean, when has that ever worked? When has that ever worked long term? <laughs> no. As, as a strategy? <laughs> no. Never. 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 Absolutely not. All right. We're going to talk about uh, shaving razors here in a second. But uh, when we come back. I want to talk about uh, Trump's reaction to the Chelsea bomber, which is the you want to you a great reason to not vote third party, obviously to not vote for Donald Trump, to make sure that your vote is for Hillary Clinton in, in November. This is a really good reason. We'll talk about that uh, right after we talk about Harry's race. Harry's, Harry. I love Harry's razors. I am once again clean shaven for a show. I always try to do that because we love Harry's razors and I use my Harry's razor before every show so that my skin is uh, soft and smooth for the podcasting experience. I know, I get it. I I had doubts too when Harry's came along offering state-of-the-art razor blades for half the price we've been paying. And we've tried the cheap disposals. There's a plastic blue, you know, you know the blue ones. They just shred your face. With Harry's, you and I and millions have learned you can get a top-notch shave and save a lot of money. Maybe you are uh, skeptical, so Harry's has the cure. A free trial. Here we go, folks. Listen up. Free trial. Just use the code B-A-N-D-C for Bob and Chez when you check out at harrys.com. You just pay $3 for shipping, and your satisfaction is guaranteed. That's a $13 shave kit for just three bucks but only if you use the code b-a-n-d-c just go to harrys.com to customize your free trial set select a truman razor in your choice of colors uh yeah it comes with one of harry's amazing blades their foaming shave gel and a blade cover for travel only if you use b-a-n-d-c that promo code at checkout you'll also get a free sample of harry's cool and refreshing post-shave balm with aloe and cucumber it moisturizes, reduces redness, and it smells great. And if you never want to have to reorder blades, you don't have to. Harry's will send you new blades, even more shave gel on a schedule you select. It's an amazing free trial. Two weeks of quality shaves for just $3 shipping. Just for our listeners, use the code BANDC at harrys.com. I'm completely sold on Harry's, and you will be too. Presented by BubbleGenius.com. Welcome back to our Thursday show. Thank you for joining us, and thank you to Ben Cohen for joining us, too. Ben Cohen from the Daily Banter, my boss, kind of. Well, we're all, it's sort of like a collective, but Ben, ben is technically the boss. We're collective, I, like I just called you technically the boss, which is wrong. You are, you are literally the boss, but... I don't mind, you know. No, I'm just kidding. I don't. Yeah. We're, we we collaborate, Bob. We 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 collaborate. We worked together for years. That's right. Absolutely. I mean, this goes back to like 2009. We started working together uh, when it was the uh, what was it the the Banter Media Group, and we had a bunch of blogs that were all connected together, and and then uh, and that was really important because uh, just to give some background here, that was really important at the time because recession and everyone was getting crushed under that, and the ad rates were really low and so on. And then, uh, and then the Daily Banter came along as an actual site, and I think I start. I was one of the first writers there, obviously after you, and uh, that was what 2012, 2011, some somewhere in there. I yeah, think it was. Tw- I think it was it, early 2012. It was yeah. It was almost five years ago. And, right. Uh, 
You know, and in, in, and in internet time, that's that's like a century. Yeah, I know. Five years. It's like, oh my god, I remember 2012 so <laughs> long ago. Those old days of 2012. I remember when Mitt Romney ran for president. Oh my god. Um, yeah. Okay. So speaking of uh, idiots running for president, Donald Trump. Here's a great reason to not vote for Jill Stein. And my God, if you're thinking of voting for Gary Johnson or Jill Stein. Stop right now. Just stop. stop. Yeah. Just, just stop. <laughs> stop. I mean, look, I, I understand the idea of a protest vote. And as I've talked about many, many times uh, in the Daily Banter and also on this show, I, in 2000, I was dumb enough. And again, I was what? Uh, in 2000, I was 29. What the hell did I know when I was 29? Um, I, I, uh, I voted for Ralph Nader. I mean, although I lived in Pennsylvania and Pennsylvania was securely for Al Gore. So I didn't my vote didn't swing the election toward George W. Bush at all. But I voted for Ralph Nader because I got snowed. I and it's the the biggest regret I have ever had in, in political participation in my entire life. And I've been doing this since I was 17 years old. So this was a major, major uh, uh, F up on my part. And I shouldn't have done it, but I did. And I wish I had cast my ballot for Al Gore because it's not just about my protest vote. And even though Pennsylvania was secure for Al Gore, it's the idea of it because you're you're casting a vote. And I understand the idea of integrity. Like I'm getting that a lot, too, from a lot of Jill Stein people say, well, I'm, I'm going to vote my integrity because it's, it's, it's all about integrity to vote for a, a candidate of your conscience and so forth. I say, well. Part of integrity, part of a, a vote that is enriched with integrity is one that takes into consideration all of society as well. It's not just about what you personally require for to settle your own vendetta against Debbie Wasserman Schultz or whatever the hell you're doing it for. It's, it's also about securing all of the things that you'd like to see for the rest of society. It's about that person's health care. It's about that person's reproductive rights. It's about the other person's civil rights. It's it's about people like Terrence Crutcher who are getting gunned down in the streets because of backwards policy. You have to make these decisions based on things like the Supreme Court and things like uh, global stability. How about that one? <laughs> because if Donald Trump becomes president, that'll be it for global stability. I mean, it'll be ab- absolutely. We, I talked about this uh, on uh, Tuesday. So well, look, for God's sake, if, if Trump is elected and does half of the things he's planning to do, plus all of the unpredictable things that we can't even know about at this point, I think there will be for there will be overseas leaders, Western leaders who will be talking to American leaders about the idea of regime change, about actually removing Trump from office in order to restabilize the economy, the world economy, and so forth, because he's going to completely destabilize it. There is no doubt about that, just by the very erratic nature of his personality. All right, so there is, uh, there's much to be talked about when it comes to the details of what Trump would do. And, and one of the things is, well, let's hear Donald Trump talk about the Chelsea bomber here, uh, Ben. This is where Trump basically says, hey, you know what? <sighs> hospitalization for someone who was severely injured eh, f it <laughs> f it why does he deserve room service in the hospital you know where he has to eat food in order to live and be put on trial and in order for us to learn more about whether he's connected to a cell all kinds of other crap here's donald trump completely not getting it today 
We have caught this evil thug. All right, I'm going to stop him right there. We did not, Donald, in the context of Donald Trump saying this, we did not catch the Chelsea bomber. We didn't, do, Donald Trump didn't do a goddamn thing. It was up to Donald Trump. I don't know what the hell he'd be doing. <laughs> he'd be sending meatloaf after them. Meatloaf, do you want to catch the Chelsea bomber for us today? And do, Absolutely. Yeah. It said Kid Rock and Meatloaf after the uh, after the terrorists. No, uh, Donald, you didn't you didn't do this. It was you know it was the pre- president and the government that uh, you seem to think is completely inadequate and incompetent captured the bomber from New York City. Who planted the bombs? Thank you, law enforcement. Thank the bombs. Thank you, police. But the bad part. Now we will give him. Amazing hospitalization. He will be taken care of by some of the best doctors in the world. I mean, where? what else does he have in mind? Does Donald Trump want to send the Chelsea bomber Rahami into, what, the doctor from uh, uh, Batman 1989, the one that fixed uh, Jack Napier's face and turned him into the Joker? Is that is that where we're going to send him? I have no idea. There is no alternative solution for this. You send him, if he's injured, you send him to the hospital to get treated because this way we can learn more about him and there is no other solution beyond that. I mean, little... just, you know, what about, you know, the right to not, was it, uh, in, in the Constitution about cruel and unusual punishment? Yeah, of uh, course. This is completely unconstitutional what he's going to be calling for here. I mean, but there's a sort of flagrant disregard for just, you know, the Constitution. You know, for 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 international law. Yeah, for for um, basic human decency. I mean, there's right. It's 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 mad. I I wrote about this um, yesterday on the banter about um, D- Donald Trump's Trump's idea to grab Iraqi oil. Yeah, that's what he wants to do. He wants to go into Iraq and just uh, <laughs> take take the oil. Yeah, uh, you know, just because you know why not? Because uh, mm-hmm. rah rah, go America. Um, <laughs> It's complete. Right. I mean, this is this is against the Geneva Conventions. This you can't just go and steal a sovereign nation's natural resources just because you feel like you can. Yeah, and and uh, you know, I I've got I think a, a fairly decent explanation for the mindset behind what Trump is actually doing when he says things like like this about Rahami or when he talks about taking the Iraqi oil. It's just it's all crap that and it's, it's nearsighted simpleton stuff. For his nearsighted simpleton followers, and there's there's an entire strategy behind that, and we'll get to that maybe uh, after we talk about this. But let's continue here with Trump. He will be given a fully modern and updated hospital room. How does well? How does he know? He's just making that up now. He is just made, well. I mean, maybe the hospital is nice. I don't know, but I mean, what does that have to do with anything? And he'll probably even have room service, knowing the way our country is. <laughs> And on top of all of that, he will be represented by an outstanding lawyer. His case will... So what we should do, Donald Trump's solution is to not feed, not feed Ahmad Khan Rahami to, and to give him the crappiest lawyer possible. To just strip him of adequate representation. Again, maybe we'll get, we'll get uh, Trump's doctor, Dr. Giggles over there, who... uh, Maybe he'll he'll represent uh, Rahami in court because I guess Trump is surrounded by incompetent people, so he thinks other people should have incompetent people around them too. 
Dr. Giggles, Harold Bornstein. Maybe he'll do it. Go through the various court systems for years, and in the end, people will forget, and his punishment will not be what it once would have been. What a sad situation. (laughs) We must have speedy but fair trials, and we must deliver a just and very harsh punishment to these people. We must also use whatever lawful methods are available to obtain information from the apprehended suspect to get information before it's no longer timely. Yeah, maybe maybe the solution then is to just uh, starve him to death. So this way we're not able to get any information from him. I guess that's the solution, because what happens is is when and maybe someone needs to explain this to Donald Trump, who perhaps hasn't ever been in a hospital before, though I, I tend to believe he has. Um, duh. Uh, you know, the person is in a hospital bed and they are injured and they are unable to, you know, leave the hospital to buy groceries or go to KFC where Donald Trump gets his lunches and buy those lunches. <laughs> what what we should do then is not have food taken into them and set on a tray in front of them so they can eat it. That should not happen. That is, according to Donald Trump, that is room service. That's like being at the Ritz-Carlton or being at one of Trump ho- Trump's hotels, maybe being at the uh, Mar-a-Lago Resort and waiting for room service to come up with the silver tray, the silver platter and all of the fine foods layered on top of that. That's not the way it works in a hospital. If you've ever had hospital food. But this is the lie. This is the myth that Donald Trump tells his people and his people believe it. They actually believe that Rahami, the Chelsea bomber, is going to have lavish room service and the greatest attorneys in the world. And Johnny Cochran is going to come back from the dead and represent. Is this bullshit? It's such it utter bullshit. Yeah. And it's all liberals' faults. It's all some sort of liberal conspiracy to. Uh, <laughs> That's right. It's a big liberal. the White House and law enforcement with with radical Muslims and. Yeah, I mean, just remember that executive order that Obama signed. Make sure that all uh, uh, suspected terrorists get room service and great lawyers. Now, you know what? That's built. That's built into the Constitution. Sorry, I'm sorry, <laughs> but if you think that Donald Trump, this is just one great example. Because I here's the thing, Ben, that I'm most worried about. Actually, you know what? We're going to take a short break and come back and talk about exactly this. The thing that I'm worried about most, and I wanted to get your take on this, Ben, because we're all in the same ship together, and surely we must hang together, or <laughs> we're going to hang separately. To, <laughs> To paraphrase Ben Franklin, we're going to talk about that right after these words. Okay, let's talk about supporting independent media. For only $1 a month, you can help finance The Bob and Chez Show at patreon.com slash Bob and Chez. That's 12 cents per show. Go now to patreon.com slash Bob and Chez. That's P-A-T-R-E-O-N dot com slash Bob and Chez. And sign up for $1 a month, $5 a month. a month or $15 a month or whatever you can afford. If you sign up for $5 or more, you'll get special Patreon-only shows like our post-mortem wrap-up show, the Not Safe for Work after-party show, and commercial-free, unbleeped versions of the free Tuesday and Thursday shows. Most of all, you'll be supporting a totally independent podcast not affiliated with corporate media. And if we reach our $7,500 per month goal, we'll bring you new shows 
five days a week, Mondays through Fridays. That's patreon.com slash Bob and Chez, or click the Patreon link at bobseska.com. Let's do this thing. Shove Bob and Chez into your pants and haul them around with you wherever you go. Jitties. Subscribe to the Bob and Chez Show <laughs> in the podcast section on iTunes. And the second half of today's show is brought to you by the BobSuska.com Amazon link. If you shop at Amazon.com, enter the site using our link just beneath the logo at BobSuska.com, and we get a small commission from everything you buy. It costs you nothing extra and helps support the show. And if you have a, uh, a small business and you source your materials online, why not source them through the Amazon link? And don't forget to bookmark it. Okay, moving along here. I wanted to get your take on this, Ben, because this is something I've been thinking about quite a lot, um, staring down the barrel of a tightening race. The polls are getting closer. The odds of Donald Trump becoming president of the United States seem to be growing more and more. And Nate Silver is scaring the piss out of me right now. We'll get to that in a second. But I wanted to know, I get the sense, and this is obviously based on evidence of seeing how Donald Trump behaves toward the press, which isn't just uh, ditching out of press conferences and things like that, not answering direct questions from, from members of the press pool. Donald Trump doesn't even have a press pool. He's got, he doesn't have a traveling press pool. What he has are a bunch of uh, reporters who were assigned to him, but who don't travel with him. They all travel separately. And so this is something that no one talks about. But then we've also got a bunch of uh, uh, press outlets that have been uh, blacklisted by the Trump campaign. The Washington Post, BuzzFeed's been blacklisted. The Huffington Post has been blacklisted. Not the Daily Banter yet, but we're only we're, it's only a matter of time. We're getting there. We're getting there. But that I mean, that's actually bringing up a good point, which is that um, I'm concerned that Donald Trump, if elected, is going to use the power of the office, use the power of the presidency to target all of his political enemies, to target dissidents, to target journalists, and maybe not necessarily with imprisonment all the time or some sort of Justice Department investigation. I'm talking about IRS audits. I'm talking about other sorts of intimidation that that Donald Trump will absolutely use, things that we used to uh, read about in history books about what uh, Richard Nixon did during his administration, where he had people bugged and investigated and blackmailed and blacklisted and, and I think in some cases audited. And um, I, I'm concerned that, and this is, of course, not going to chill, and it's not going to have a chilling effect on the Daily Banter or anyone I know in particular, but it is going to be a concern, Ben, which is that, this guy's going to start coming after us. I mean, maybe not necessarily literally us, but anyone with a public voice, Donald Trump is going to continue, can, can consider them enemy number one. And if they're making fun of Donald Trump's hands or his hair or his policy, doesn't matter. They're going to be targeted. Yeah, I, I, I think that's a certainty. I think we know that this is going to happen based on his previous behavior. I mean, yeah. he's a thug. Uh, Trump, Trump is, a, is a thug and he's a fascist. Yeah, you know, it's, it's, it's that's not being, you know, hyperbolic. I'm not using hyperbole here. Donald Trump is a fascist, and you know he gets he will get into power, and he will do what all Tim Pot uh, wannabe dictators do when they get into power, yep. which is go after enemies, uh, rig the system to benefit himself, mm -hmm. um, and you know basically erode uh, everybody's rights, which is which he's. Which he said, he's said all this stuff publicly. Yeah. He, he's told everybody what he's going to do. And everyone's like, oh, no, no, he's not going to do that when he gets into power. No, no, no. Yeah, he will. He will. He said we, we should take him at his word. And, and really, it's, it's not so much just people who have, uh, who have mastheads and legitimate uh, 
uh, uh, news and information outlets, uh, opinion journalism and things like that. We're, we're living in a time now where everyone's got their own show. I mean, maybe not literally a video show, but certainly everyone's got their own Facebook page, their own presence on Twitter, their own blog to some degree. Um, and, and I think everyone then becomes a target. If everyone's got some sort of platform for expressing negative opinions about Donald Trump, they then are opening themselves up to be targeted. And that I think that is absolutely I think we have to count on that as a 100 percent certainty of a Donald Trump presidency. And I'm talking about that includes people who are being dumb enough to cast their ballot for Jill Stein or Gary Johnson, uh, whether they're in a battleground state or not. It doesn't matter as long as they're doing that. And then they, they go, well, OK, we, the election's over. Donald Trump has won. But F him. I'm going <laughs> to I'm going to write a 500 word missive talking about how you know, all the reasons why Donald Trump's presidency is going to be a disaster. And if that gets 100,000 views, that suddenly becomes that's something that's on the national radar. That's something that goes viral and is, is suddenly viewed by by Trump's people, by Trump's goon squads. And then the word gets out. And suddenly that person, that blogger who up until that point was basically an anonymous participant suddenly uh, gets faced, gets socked with a giant IRS audit or gets socked with some sort of investigation, some sort of uh, legal problem that's that's basically fabricated by by Trump's, I mean, for lack of a better term, Trump's plumbers. <laughs> you know, you talk about some Nixonian terms. These are going to be, this is going to be Nixon plus George W. Bush times a thousand. And that's yeah. going to be the Trump presidency. And I think people don't really um, understand how bad things can get. Yeah, I mean, our memories are short, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, the, the fact that there's kind of nostalgia over George W. Bush is, is to me, a sign that the, the country is this kind of collective amnesia. And the fact that it, you, you know, and that was terrible. Two thousand year from two thousand to two thousand eight was it was a disaster. Oh yeah, and every you, single level. And the thing and is, that's I'm, nothing. That's that's nothing compared to what's going to happen if if um, Trump gets into power. And when you really think about it, I mean, Barack Obama's been president for eight years. So you first time voters right now, 18 year olds, 19 year olds, they were like nine, 10 years old when George W. Bush at the end of the George W. Bush presidency. I mean, there are some people who don't remember people who are voting this year who don't remember witnessing 9-11. They don't remember witnessing the beginning of the Iraq war because they were two at the time. And and so they don't have that perspective, which is making me wonder Maybe that is contributing in part to the the sort of foolhardy, the whimsical nature of of voting for someone like Jill Stein and, and risking a Trump presidency. Ben, as I said before, I mean, a lot of people are talking, well, Jill Stein's only polling at one or two percent. Yeah. But if, say, the swing state of Florida or Virginia or Ohio comes down to one or two percent and Trump wins that state by one or two percent. And there were a bunch of liberals who voted maybe one or two percent for Jill Stein. That is going to be I mean, obviously, you, you can't help but to, to look at those votes for Jill Stein and say they could have swung the election toward Hillary Clinton. Instead, we got Donald Trump. And yeah, it's, I not, mean, it's all hands on deck. You know, I mean, yeah. I think you're right. Bob. It's, it's all hands on deck. You, you know, everybody yeah. has to do their bit. That means if you don't like it, I look, I understand if you if people don't like Hillary Clinton. I'm not a huge fan. I have. Uh, although. You know, to be honest with you, the more she scrutinised, the more you find out that, in fact, a lot of the stuff that has been um, 
uh, claim that she's she's been involved in is largely nonsense. Oh yeah. Uh, uh, um, but you know, look, I, I understand. I I was um, I wanted uh, Bernie to to win, um, but I wasn't. You know, I wasn't distraught when he lost. I thought it was fine. I I I've always thought Hillary Clinton is fine. Yeah, she's good. She's a she's a she's a good candidate. Um, you know, I disagree with her on, on a number of things. But so what? Who cares? I mean, the fact is, is you've got a guy who's threatening to dismantle the EPA. <laughs> right. Among many other things. Among many other things. Among many, many other things. Yep. You know, and you've got Hillary Clinton. Is, is she? She's not going to. She's not going to dismantle the, the the EPA. She's not going to um, get rid of the uh, uh, you know national infrastructure or or cut funding in public education or deny climate change. She's She's a solid Democrat. Yeah. And again, this vote isn't so much about your own piety or your own vendetta against uh, the DNC and Debbie Wasserman Schultz and Hillary Clinton and all the rest. This is this vote is more than that. It's about the impact that it has on your nation, on your starting at the local level, starting at your neighborhood. It's going to affect your neighborhood. It's going to affect your county and your state. It's going to affect the the, the national climate. It's going to affect world events in a negative, horrible, horrible way. Horrible way. And, yeah, right. And 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 the thing is, is that the, the you know the activism and upending the system. That's fine, you know. Do that. Go and join a local activist cause, and um, you know, there's a lot of good projects to get involved in. Or you can right? actually run for office. I mean, I've been talking about this forever now. I mean, you can actually run for for local office. It started that level, even state office in some cases, and uh, and 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 become Bernie Sanders, but at the local level, be your own Bernie Sanders. Do that. Do that one thing. And sure, but then the, for the rest of it, it's just you have to vote strategically. You know, you have to vote. Yeah. What's the you know what's going to have the best outcome? That's right. You know, what's going to have the best out? The best outcome is Hillary Clinton presidency. There's no doubt about it at yep. all. Yep. The idea is twofold. Obviously, uh, Hillary Clinton is is abundantly qualified. She's been doing this for 30 years now. She knows what she's doing. She's well-versed in all of the issues. She's well-versed in all the policy, and she's got a brain in her head. She's an extraordinarily smart person, and she can absolutely do the job. Um, so it's partly about that, but it's also partly about being a firewall against Donald Trump to make sure that Donald Trump doesn't become president. And then on November 9th, the day after Election Day, then you can hold Hillary Clinton accountable all you want and make sure that she does make sure she sticks to this new progressive platform that the Democratic Party has adopted in part due to uh, Bernie Sanders effort during the convention and make sure that those things become law. For example, uh, Bernie Sanders already at the Senate level is is. Uh, uh, putting together legislation to pass the public option, which to me is one of the greatest things uh, that could have been included with Obamacare that wasn't. I was pushing for that public option for most of 2009 into 2010 until it was finally dropped. And uh, it looks like it might have life again. I mean, the public option is now also in uh, the Democratic platform. It's part of Hillary Clinton's platform. So it's part of Hillary Clinton's agenda. We could actually have the House of Representatives notwithstanding. <laughs> We could actually have a public option within a couple of years of Hillary Clinton presidency, which means you won't have to pay Kaiser Permanente or you won't have to pay pay Blue Cross Blue Shield as part of the individual mandate. You can just pay the government and get good quality health insurance through the government, just like the rest of uh, of of the government gets itself. So these are all things that are positive that are happening on the progressive side of things that I think people are forgetting. Sure. You you know what? And the thing that kind of 
that always gets to me really is is the fact that you know what I'd like to spend some time you know going after Democrats and looking yeah. at uh, holding their feet to the fire and saying hey you guys you know you didn't do this you didn't do that and mm. this is you know this is this is not good enough but the fact is is that that there is no time for that there's yeah. no time for that you've got a, 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 it's not a political party right the Republican Party is not a political party well definitely not anymore yeah. It is a terrorist party. It is a reactionary, uh, dangerous terrorist party yeah. that, that will, if elected at any level of government, destroy this country. And, and you know, I mean, I know what it feels like too to to be disappointed in the outcome of elections. I, I can certainly relate to what Bernie Sanders supporters are going through after the primary because I, I dealt with that in 2004, another four years of George W. Bush. I'll never forget that 2004 election. It, again, was soul crushing is the only way I can describe it. And it yeah. felt like it was stolen from us. And I remember being glued to my radio, to the, the scant few progressive radio shows that were on at the time, just try, hopefully th- thinking maybe there would be some a bunch of ballots found in an Ohio uh, trash bin somewhere that would suddenly swing Ohio to uh, to John Kerry and, and, and defeat George W. Bush. Of course, it didn't happen. And of course, we ended up dealing with another four years of George W. Bush. And it was it was it was horrendous. But I mean, you don't you still you don't lash out and and attack your own people uh, when that goes on. It's just not something that is uh, that is uh, the right thing to do. Okay, we're going to take a uh, short break, and when we come back, I want to talk about uh, uh, oh, Michelle Obama did a great impression <laughs> did a great impression of the president on uh, on Stephen Colbert this week. I want to see if we can get to uh, oh, also this uh, this business with the, the Trump Foundation and this. Uh, this $258,000 payment made from the uh, Trump Foundation, charity money donated to Trump, and he used it to pay a fine in Florida. We're going to talk about that right after these words. Life stressing you out? Just not enough hours in the day? Finding yourself running ragged with little hope of just a little you time? Well, friend, fret no more. If you've got time for the shower, you've got time to get your zen on with I Can't Believe It's Not Buddha Soap on a Rope by Bubble Genius. You'll find the path to nirvana with this happy sudsy Buddha, rendered in gentle green tea-scented vegetable glycerin soap. And it's on a rope, so this guy can hang around your shower and bring you enlightenment each and every day. So let your troubles wash away and enjoy the peace of the here and now with I Can't Believe It's Not Buddha Soap on a Rope, only from Bubble Genius, bringing some ohm to the bathroom. BubbleGenius.com This is the Bob and Chez Show with Bob Seska and Chez Pazienza, presented by BubbleGenius.com. Yeah, Chez is away today, but we have Ben Cohen from The Daily Banter joining us uh, to provide a, a sexy accent. Got a call from the <laughs> <laughs> uh, Okay. Uh, yeah, and I just said that you have a sexy accent, and I, I really believe that, though. Thank you. Uh, Thank you. I appreciate 
<laughs> okay. Michelle Obama did a, uh, a funny as hell impression of, uh, of Barack Obama. And just watching this clip on, uh, on the Col- on I said the Colbert. Did I say the Colbert Report? I meant to say, if I said that, I meant to say the, the late show with Stephen Colbert. She did this impression, and it made me think, oh, my God. Once again, I am just going to so badly miss the Obamas. I just wish, you know, it's one of those things, I hate to be a cliche here, four more years. I wish... <laughs> Wish there were four more years, uh, but fortunately they they are staying in in Washington. Uh, there is a rumor, just a rumor, going around that perhaps Barack Obama might maybe have a future on the Supreme Court. Can you imagine? <laughs> imagine the heads exploding among the Republican Party if Barack Obama is nominated for the Supreme Court. And also, there's also a chance, also a rumor that Michelle Obama might run for United States Senate. So there's that too. Here's here's Michelle Obama on Colbert the other night. Do you do an impression of your husband? Oh, we all three of us have good impressions of, of Barack. I, would you mind sharing a little bit? Well, it's of usually this? at the dinner table because, you know, and Malia will start it because she usually asks the serious question. Well, Dad, tell us about your day. Oh, and what about that conversation on uh, global warming? And Barack, um, Sasha and I are like, oh God, no, don't get him started. <laughs> He's like, well, no, I'm glad you, I'm glad you asked that. Um, <laughs> let me just, uh, let me just answer that in three points. <laughs> one, and then one A, and then one A and B. And Sasha and I are like, oh. You're because, like, uh, professor, can I audit this right. lecture? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you know. Another thing that that highlights, in addition to the Obamas having a great sense of humor, it also highlights the fact that our president is effing smart. (laughs) If there's any truth to the story she told, they're sitting around the table and he's enumerating these things as if he's in a a graduate level, uh, he's teaching a graduate level course on, uh, I don't know, Article 2 of the Constitution. Let's go through part number one. Uh, Here's part number one and uh, part number one, eh? (laughs) eight. But uh, in lieu of that, (laughs) we're going to have... Probably uh, there's a, there's a good chance we'll have four years of Donald Trump. I'm just saying. I mean, there is that oh, chance. Well, don't kill them. Oh man, I was, I was really enjoying that. Just just for a second, I, I was really enjoying that. And that, yeah, okay, you ruined the mood. Well, I have this theory, and I'm going to work on it. I think I'm going to write it up for uh, the Daily Banter. In fact, today um, about uh, how uh, Donald Trump is actually Bizarro Obama. Donald Trump is exactly the opposite of Barack Obama in every conceivable way. So yeah, gonna... Brilliant, brilliant idea. That you, I think you're right. You, you couldn't. You, that is, yeah, you couldn't be more right. Yeah, and one of the things, obviously, is this national stop and frisk thing that Donald Trump is going to do. His solution for crime is to stop people and frisk them. Adopt the New York plan for, uh, for the entire country, which is going to be a disaster. And again, we're only a scant couple of percentage points away from that actually happening. Nate Silver, as I said before, is scaring the the literal piss out of me. Nate Silver warns media against quote-unquote dangerous assumption that Trump really isn't closing in on Hillary Clinton. The newest polling analysis from Celebrity Statistics Wiz, Nate Silver, shows Donald Trump in a tight race against Hillary Clinton as the 2016 race grows ever closer. Previous analyses from 538 show the former Secretary of State with a reasonable edge over the bombastic real estate mogul, even as recent troubles started taking their toll on Clinton's numbers. Nate Silver says, uh, this is from Twitter, 
Never seen otherwise smart people in so much denial about something as they are about Trump's chances. Same mistake as primaries, comma, Brexit. So basically what he's saying is there are pundits who are saying that, ah, Hillary still got it. No problem. And Nate Silver's going, no, wait, no, 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 bad. No, you're getting ahead of yourself. Watch the polls. Nate Silver also tweeted, our forecast has it close right now with Clinton as the narrow favorite because that's what the polls show. It's as simple as that. And then he continues by saying, can you invent an alternate set of assumptions wherein Clinton is a heavy favorite? Sure, but that's despite the polls, not because of them. Then he said, if your premise is Clinton's only one or two points ahead right now, but she's fairly heavy favorite, she's a fairly heavy favorite despite that, I'll hear your case out. But people spend a lot of time denying and cherry picking their way around the one to two point part, which suggests they're not thinking clearly. So, oh man, this is uh, this is not good, Ben. This is <laughs> this is still making bad, bad. I mean, look, I, 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 I'll be honest. I mean, I, I still in the back of my mind, I'm like, there's no way that they're going to elect Donald Trump. Yeah, president. There's no way Americans can be that stupid to do that. Well, I mean, the one thing that's consoling me is the idea that I think Don, that uh, Hillary Clinton has a much better ground game, that Hillary Clinton's got the go to get out the vote uh, uh, basically in hand. She's also got uh, a strategy for targeting precincts, I think, using the Obama model from 2012. So I think in that respect, I think she's got a pretty good technical game happening behind the scenes where it's not necessarily pundit driven. It's more. Uh, strategy driven on the ground and i think that may be the tipping point for her but i don't know maybe not <laughs> i mean i i've got a friend of, a friend of mine um who who works at the white house uh there you go made, made myself look quite fancy there i've got <laughs> i've got friends who work at the white house yeah i mean you're filling in for chairs you have to name drop a little bit i've got a name drop yeah yeah so so <laughs> i do know somebody who works at the white house um who who has uh quite a lot of inside knowledge about this kind of stuff and yeah and I work, uh, she she has told me that um, basically the Obama team, the the remnants of the Obama uh, uh, election team, yeah. are kicking into gear quite effectively. So oh, that's a so so there, there is there is a huge that you know they're working together. The Clinton and the Obama people were working together quite well. Um, you know the Clinton's ground game, I think, is going to be vastly superior to Trump's ground game. Oh yeah, yeah. Um, I mean, and obviously, it's it's well within the best interests of the Obama team to do that because, I mean, electing Donald Trump, Donald Trump wins. There goes the Obama legacy. Uh, basically, everything that Obama achieved in eight years would be wiped out, maybe wiped within out, a couple of yeah. days. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, it would it would go pretty fast. Uh, well, and I think Obama's, you, you know, Obama's concerned about this too. I mean, if you saw his speech recently to um did you see the speech where was it he, he, he was talking to african-american voters where he basically said don't don't let this happen don't let yeah. anything we work for disappear well stick around ben uh we're gonna do the post-mortem show for our patreon listeners we're gonna do about uh, another five or ten minutes here and uh if not if you're not listening to patreon what's wrong with you <laughs> we'll see you on the after party bye folks